morning everybody and uh, welcome to Strategy Cafe um, which is your shot of leadership inspiration from us here at Lambic Strategy. Um, I'm pleased to have um, uh, so many new subscribers this month and to see you all online this morning. Cafe is our leadership magazine um, and uh, we like to pick up interesting topics and interview successful leaders for their tips. Um, and I suppose um, one of the key reasons we do it this way is that um, I think it works quite nicely that when you hear the passion of um, our interviewee and you hear the context for the leadership, it really brings the theory and the practice to life. Um, we've got an amazing back catalogue now of um, Strategy Cafe webinars, so if you haven't yet seen them, please go and follow the links to our iTunes podcast, uh, or to our um, uh, sorry to our yeah to our iTunes podcast or to our YouTube channel um, and you can dig in and around the subjects there they cover a huge range of leadership topics so uh, fabulously interesting so go and have a look and please subscribe and please share uh, welcome Phil good morning Nick absolutely fantastic to be with you this morning tell us tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you. Um, I, I noticed your uh, introduction, by the way, referring to how the Strategy Cafe introduces people to successful leaders. So um, I guess thanks for the compliment. Not sure it's fully deserved, but maybe we can explore that a little bit in, in conversation. So thanks for that. Um, yeah, absolutely delighted to be here. Uh, my name, as it says on the side, is Phil James, and I'm the CEO with the Institute of Leadership and Management. Um, I have the best job in the world, Nick, because as well as being, uh, I guess, you know, a senior manager within the organization, I get to deal with, think about, discuss and sort of delve into issues around leadership and management every day, which is absolutely fantastic. I know it's the stuff of your life and your work at Alembic as well. And it's, uh, it's the stuff that really fires me up as well. So it's a fantastic job. And I have to say, uh, here comes the sales pitch, a fantastic organization to be a part of as well. So. For anybody that hasn't come across the Institute um, before, do check out uh, the Institute of Leadership Management's website. Loads of free resources, webinars like, like yours, Nick, uh, fantastic back catalogue of, uh, of wonderful speakers, uh, research papers, podcasts, all sorts of stuff for anyone that's interested, uh, like me and like you, Nick, in just getting a little bit better at leadership every day. Fantastic. Um, it is really good um, and uh, heartily recommend everyone to go and have a look at it. So um, um, let's get into things. I was just very curious as to how you became um, CEO of the Institute of Leadership Management. And um, when we were talking about this, you sort of started out in construction. So it's kind of quite a, a curious journey. So just 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 <laughs> take everyone through how how you got from, you know, building building properties to uh, leading leaders. That's kind of uh, a, a good story. Yes, it is a curious story. Maybe I should have had a plan and a strategy well laid out in front of me and followed that, you know, and uh, and things might have might have turned out a little better. I, I started out in construction, so I, I was lucky enough to go to university straight out of school. And um, at the time, there was high graduate unemployment, and I wanted to do something that was useful and, quite honestly, held the prospect of, of getting a great job. And I was really drawn to the prospect of the construction industry. It was an industry at the time that was looking for uh, I guess an influx of talent to to make the industry better, more productive, safer, more profitable. And for me, the idea of getting involved in you know um, such a tangible and challenging um, 
project as you know putting up a putting up a building for example was 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 a huge attraction and uh, I, I went into that in uh, you know with, with all gusto but I have to say it didn't take me very long before I became quite disillusioned about what was yep. going on and uh, yep. you know what I was sort of seeing around me um, in terms of management practice I guess as much as anything um, quite a lot of adversarial uh, uh, attitude I suppose the, the, the idea of uh, making money was was all born out of screwing the little guy really rather than rather than doing yeah. a, an amazing job I suppose um, and I, I have to caveat this this was my experience and this was a long time ago so for anybody that's still working in constru construction industry I know it's uh, transformed significantly since then but I, I didn't have a very good experience at all and I was keen to advance and, and get on and I thought well the way to do that maybe is to go and seek further opportunities for practicing management. So I continued to learn. I continued to uh, study management. Um, I did. I did a few other qualifications. I moved into the uh, quarrying industry. So uh, I got to play with even bigger machines and you know dig bigger <laughs> holes into the ground. And uh, that was fantastic. Real, um, really a great part of my life. Got to spend you know all of the day outdoors and. You know, tackling some some really really interesting and tough stuff, and and uh, heading up you know small team of people, which was which was superb really. This the real stuff of leadership and management. So and and then goodness knows how I ended up where I am now. I, I, I eventually took a job with a with a professional body in construction. So there was the there was the professional link. Um, yeah. I went to work for the Charter Institute of Building, which still today is an amazing organisation and really one that's concerned around standards and professionalism and you know really driving up that that quality of uh, management practice and industry practice um, right across the board um, and, and I guess from there I, I, I kind of got captured by this by this world of professional associations uh, and went to work for a while with in social work so different different industry different um, sector different profession but still um, aligned with this idea of raising standards, of professionalism, of looking after people, I suppose, throughout their careers. Uh, and that eventually led me to, uh, to where I am now, I suppose, to cut a, a very odd and winding story short. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a curious journey to get to be the head of the, uh, um, you know, the, the institute that leads leaders. But I think the, what, what we all heard in there is that um, you know, disillusionment with practice on the ground and in particular with um, the way that things were managed and led um, and then a connection with this idea that you can help everybody in the industry uh, which I really like it really resonates with me because I think that's the job of leaders in a way is to affect so I mean, leadership affects so many people um, and that's really why we you know in a core mission that's why we focus on the leaders helping the leaders because you know where the where the way they take things forward cascades down across all the team all the families all the suppliers all the customers it has such a wide impact and so the idea that you can kind of leverage that by raising the standards at the industry body level I think is really powerful I think that yeah. neatly takes it into so tell us about how ILM does that how does that how does ILM live that mission and how can people you know learn and develop themselves through the standard setting that you guys do and teaching around that yeah. So, um, so what, what's different, I suppose, about leadership management to something like social, the social work profession, or construction, or surveying, or accountancy, and so on? Mm -hmm. Well, there are lots of similarities, of course. And um, the Institute of Leadership Management, as an organisation, is concerned with standards, and 
you know, we're, we're very firmly rooted in the idea of um, a solid, solid evidence-based practice. Yeah. Uh, and, and the idea of standards arising from our sort of advancing knowledge of what works and what doesn't work, uh, what good practice is in different contexts and what it's not. And, you know, that continues to change, I think, as the world moves on. So I think leadership management, um, although it seems uh, quite amorphous at times, and it's, uh, for me anyway, is, you know, is something that is highly dependent on context. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about this in a little while. You can yeah. nevertheless, I think, um, find a very good solid ground for identifying standards yeah. that, um, that, that give, give people um, you know, a, a starting point, if nothing else. And the way that the Institute has, has attacked that, I suppose, that, that issue is we have a, a sort of framework for leadership that's based on five dimensions. And everything we do, whether it's um, publishing articles in Edge magazine, you can probably see pictures of the front cover of Edge magazine behind me. So any of our um, commentary, any of our writing, uh, conferences, our, all of our learning materials and so on are based around and rooted in this, uh, this framework, you know, this golden thread, I suppose, that, that links everything together and is rooted in, um, rooted in high standards of practice. But having said that, Nick, I think, uh, you know, that, that's probably where we reach a point of departure from other professional bodies, maybe, yeah. in that, um, you know, that, that sort of framework gives us a very solid underpinning for what leadership management is, what the components of it are. But, you know, we're very, very keen to emphasize, uh, as I just mentioned, the contextual nature of leadership and management. Leadership yeah. management, it strikes me, sort of changes every day depending yep. on um, you know, what's happening around you in the workplace, people's moods. It's certainly dependent on the, you know, the industry that you're in, the, the, the organization you're working for, what's new, what's not so new. And all of that needs to be taken into consideration. And in my opinion, you know, there are limits to how much you can uh, you know, uh, write that down and structure that in a framework. So whilst there yep. are elements of leadership and management that, are, that represent good practice, if you like, um, there's an awful lot of leadership management that I think is down and necessarily down to interpretation uh, yep. and down to context. And so again, uh, you can see on the on the slide there that you have in front of you. You know, we're, we're talking about issues in leadership management all the time, but we're very very keen actually to get a conversation going rather than uh, push out a view that says it's this is how you, it's not like this. It's like this. It's it, we're much more about leadership management being about a live conversation, I think, to explore difficulties as they unfold on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's, that's, I guess, our take on standards and why I think we've, we're approached that slightly differently to what you might see in other professions and other industries. Yeah, so um, today I'm interviewing um, Phil James, who's CEO of the Institute of Leadership Management. And in a minute, we're just going to get into the thick of things and just start talking about some, you know, some of the current um, you know, uh, thinking around around this with a few examples and come on to what Phil's going to be talking about at our conference. Um, but we're just talking here about um, the, you know, I'm guessing the, the connection between, uh, you know, a structured approach to training uh, leadership and uh, how that relates to the sort of on the ground experience. And I think that's, that really resonates with me because, um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Alembic and the ILM kind of work quite well together. Um, most of our clients are senior leaders and they have a fairly significant leadership component in their in their role 
Um, and actually, you know, their leadership is really busy. They're faced with issues that come up out of the day-to-day -day running of the business, day in, day out. They're always a little bit new. They're always a new context. They're always pretty challenging. And there's always a lot of leadership to do, if you know what I mean, because there's decisions to be made to square away those challenges against the various priorities that have to be set for the organization. I guess that sort of, for me, encapsulates leadership. It's reacting in the moment in accordance with key principles and current context, and it's, and it's pretty challenging. Um, and I think that it's right that you can develop and uh, you can learn the theory and you can learn the skills. And when you relate that to somebody who's got a lot of challenges right now, it, you know, they can go a long way with that. So I think bringing those two things together, the sort of structure of learning and the conversation about today's challenges, it makes it very, very powerful. Yeah, I couldn't agree, Monik. And, uh, you know, just to link back to what I was saying before about the early part of my career, one of one of my sort of areas of dissonance, I suppose, and disappointment, disillusionment was, was I, I found that things in life weren't working like they were meant to, according to the textbooks, you know, and you learn that, I suppose, yeah. if you're lucky, you're fairly early age. And uh, yes. it's something that still continues to puzzle me because we, you know, generally speaking in industry and organizations, we have very fixed views around what organizations are, what management is. And yeah. you know, forget about what you just said, which is the, uh, the other half of that sphere, which is the contextualization how to how to how to make it real on a day-to-day -day basis uh, according to the challenges that you're facing at the time yeah so it's really about taking the theory and making it pragmatic um i love it and um i think it's completely right it certainly uh, chimes with my experience and uh, i think it would chime with every single client that we that we uh, that we work with to help um and um so let's just get into the thick of things so one of the things you said which i thought was really interesting just sort of challenging current thinking about leadership is that it's, um, traditional view is very hierarchical um, hmm. I think you were kind of challenging that so um, wondering whether that's right in uh, contemporary leadership so what's your point here well I think uh, you know when, we, when, when conversations often open up about leadership and what's new about today's world uh, how things are different with technological disruption geopolitical disruption uh, you know the influence of multi-generations in the workforce uh, the fact that the robots are coming to take all of our jobs, all, all of those uh, issues, we, we tend to say, oh, today's world's very different. Um, yesterday's world used to be very ordered. And I think what we're, we're calling to is, is an interpretation uh, of leadership and management that is, uh, as you mentioned, hierarchical. So it's based on ideas of um, authority and control, the leader yep. out in front, uh, yep. calling the shots, making the decisions, uh, stiff up a lip, um, you know, almost the sort of com command and control style of uh, way of thinking about leadership. And whilst lots of organizations now, I think, have moved on from that and have, have realized that, hold on, uh, the world doesn't work quite like that anymore. Um, I think there are still large, you know, and, and, and so, uh, you know, we've seen the, the rise of different operational structures, for example, matrix, uh, you know, self-organized teams and so on. I nevertheless, I think still a lot of those sort of underpinning ideas around what leadership is, how it works, still exist um, uh, and are aligned to that hierarchical way of thinking about organizations. So yes. control, power, authority, uh, models of communication that are about transmitting a message from the leader to the receiver who then goes away and, and does what she or he are supposed to do. And, you know, I just think the world is very different to that. And I think I think when we're experiencing, as we do, and, 
Nick, you must come across this all the time in conversations with your clients. Um, a sort of confusion about, uh, you know, how come, you know, we've, we've got everything in place, we're doing the right things, I'm trying as a leader to exhibit the right behaviours, I've got an open door policy, and yet still things aren't quite right, they're not going to how I would expect, um, you know, and whether that manifests itself in productivity issues or profitability or uh, mental health issues in the workplace or, you know, all sorts of problems. I think there's a real, um, I sense today, uh, uh, talking to our clients and, uh, and, and, and in conversation with, with folks like yourself, Nick, that, that there's a sort of calling out for a, a new way of thinking about what it is that we're doing when we're managing in organizations and when we're working yeah. together in organizations that, that, that sort of uh, jars and clashes with our expectations of the past. That still continue to uh, you know to pervade everything that we uh, everything that we do. Yeah, I, I I mean, the way I see it, sorry to interrupt you. The way I see it is it's, it is sort of slightly in context. There are there are times where you need to sort of um, you know uh, as a leader you need. I always like to refer to this as sort of like black belt or karate type leadership. You know, you need to have different moves, different uh, bits of the fight. Uh, yeah. It may sound too macho for the modern world, but anyway, there you go. Um, uh, but you know, you need different moves, and uh, sometimes um, being being clear and being solid and being commanding is good. But if that's your if that's your one trick, you know, in the modern age where everyone can see through the organization because of the social tools that we have and the way conversations unfold these days being so different from the way they were even a couple of decades ago it's almost it's impossible to um to to hold command for every context it just doesn't work in every context and it's about for me it's about learning how to manage your communication and choose the right way which is tricky for the different things that were unfolding. So it's flexibility, really, as a leader. Um, it's where I would go with it. That's what we see. Yeah. And a real shout out for that. So people can still be who they are, but respond differently as the context needs and not just be a one trick pony. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think coupled with that, I mean, if I can develop that idea a little bit um, further, I, I, I guess I'm guessing the idea of you know adapting your style of leadership uh, is not going to be new to many people that are that are listening in and are taking part in the conversation. But I think what is different um, is the way that we think about leadership as opposed to the role of a leader. And right. one of the things that we're keen to do in the institute is to talk about leadership as a as a phenomenon, as a an interpersonal and a relational um, thing, um, as opposed to uh, or alongside a set of traits and qualities within one particular individual. So. The way that organizations uh, are, uh, work, and in some ways have always worked, but we're sort of waking up to this, and the way that organizations will need to um, adapt in the future, I think, is to have an idea of leadership as something that ebbs and flows between people, yep. as opposed to um, hiring you know, a, a successful leader at the top of an organization that yeah. is able somehow through charisma and, and mysticism to you know inspire great swathes of people beneath them. Yeah, 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 so, so magic, um, magic skill. Yeah, yeah, quite. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, so, so you know, we, we're, we're keen to, to emphasize that. And, and, and as you've, as, you know, a little uh, shared joke has just illustrated, uh, to show that leadership actually isn't some mystical phenomenon that uh, is, has managed to be somehow bred into people like Richard Branson or, you know, the heroic leaders of the, of the world but 
but is something that is with us all the time. It's to do with power relationships. It's to do with the way we talk, talk and respond to each other. Yeah. Uh, and it's a phenomenon, actually, that if it's understood slightly differently in an organization can be really harnessed uh, yeah. and seen as something that flows through rather than is locked within, you know, the particular skills of the, 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 the woman or the man at the top that has got all the MBA qualifications and so on. I love it. So um, uh, I, I, I get this sort of debate that we're having is um, like um, there's some great leadership out there. But if you want to take that great leadership and uh, and really take it further, take it forwards, then it re requires you to start to see the challenge or the problems of leadership in a different way um, and see them more dispersed and more more generally within the organization and not just residing in, in the leader or in yourself. Yeah. Um, and and see and see also that there's a you know like coming back to the idea of learning leadership it's once you've kind of got yourself challenged up enough so there's plenty of leadership stuff to do is uh, then starting to develop the let's say there's 10 key areas or 12 key areas or whatever it is you want to look at and really understand that it's the combination of expertise in all of those areas that that creates that um coming together of the the, the greater powers of leadership and yeah. uh, actually, work really well once you've got those contexts. I, I, it's a really interesting debate, and I think the other thing that you uh, said, which really uh, I thought was interesting to hear, was the language doesn't chime. Uh, so we were talking about two by two matrices, and you know, so all the tr traditional right. consulting tools, and this idea of co, you know, what we're doing with leadership, we're co-creating a story, and it's all about systems thinking and constellating and etc. And just you know, it, does that really chime? Uh, with the reality on the ground. I, I just tell us about that because I just um, unpack that a little bit for everybody. Interesting comments. Yes. So on, on that on that last point, Nick, um, you know, I, I think we when we when we engage in leadership education, we, we go off and we, we want to be better. So we, we go and learn. Uh, we, we take a course, take a short course. We go to a seminar. We do an MBA, these sorts of things. And um, what we see uh, in large part, not universally, but, but you know, largely in, in those sorts of uh, uh, endeavors uh, are references to, you know, management tools, techniques, models um, that are very good, actually, that are tested, that largely are rooted in, in you know, solid research and, uh, you know, uh, peer reviewed uh, um, journals and so on and so forth. So they, they, they're well grounded. But I think what's what's very appealing about them, it, it feels like we're being given a, a, the toolkit and the answer to be able to go out and do a better job than we were doing yesterday. And yes. to some extent, that's true. And, you know, these uh, 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 a Boston box or a SWOT analysis or whatever it is can help us, you know, look look at the world through a different lens and get some insights. And that's really, really cool. But I think where it's taken too far is that we uh, we're so we tend to get so seduced by those tools, techniques, and models that we think we have to be masters of them in the way that you described, you know, becoming a moving from a brown belt to a black belt or whatever the analogy was. Yeah. Um, and that you know, being doing a better SWOT analysis will produce better results. And I, I think we have to be very very careful that um, tools and techniques are helpful but have their limitations. Yeah. And that um, when we encounter the real world, if you like, um, that's where the usefulness of some of the tools and techniques can break down, um, particularly if we are over-reliant on them. So if I can be a little less abstract and give you a practical example, um, yeah. lots of us will spend time writing business plans and proposals and this sort of thing. And, uh, 
you know, there are, there, are, there are great formats to follow in doing that and carrying out an environmental scan and using Pestel to show what's happening in the world and how that is going to affect the launch of your new widget and, and so on. Um, but those, those things are, are, are great academic exercises and useful, but, but I think, you know, cease to be useful when, when we start to encounter the real world and, and the, the sort of volatility, the uncertainty and the competitive reaction of, of, uh, of other organisations. That really come into play and and i think therefore they can be constraining about how we think and talk about leadership so um it's very tempting isn't it to say uh, to, to pick up a leadership book and say well today i've got a, a team meeting and i'm going to adopt a, a much more uh, country club management style today because i think that's appropriate to where we are but of course that completely cuts out and, and misses out the human element in, in all of this and completely ignores what I think is extremely valid, which is that intuition, that, that mm. interpersonal um, sensitivity to what is really going on uh, around you as a, as a person amongst other people. Um, yeah. So I think we can overplay these things. And I think management education, quite frankly, needs to move on um, pretty drastically, actually. We, you know, when, we, when we hear talk across various industries, whether it's construction, social work, lots of others, about a leadership gap and what are we going to do? We, we tend to think, oh, that's about pushing more people through leadership courses and uh, you know producing more leaders, producing more managers. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think the, the challenge is much more fundamental than that. It's not a yeah. quantitative problem. I think it's a qualitative problem in that it's, it's what we're teaching people and how we're educating people to think about leadership and management yeah. uh, more, than, more than a numbers game. You know, and yeah. some, some of the most some of the most enduring qualities, I think, you know, you mentioned learning and mastering tools, and techniques. I think some of the, the, the most enduring qualities for leadership are things like curiosity uh, and uh, ref, the ability to reflect yeah. um, interpersonal sensitivity. Some of these really soft, annoyingly soft and intangible kind of skills or attributes, if you like, but that enable us to uh, to work out how we keep moving on together in organisations in a way where I think lots of the tools and techniques of management are, are falling short. Uh, I mean, it's hugely challenging just listening to you talk. I think there's uh, so much that uh, leadership can encompass. And really, here for me, you're you're coming down into how leaders can really connect with people. You know right in front of them and we had a great example of this with uh, uh, one of my clients the other day I wouldn't say you know so um, my initial thoughts was uh, listening to everything that happened was gosh that was a real car crash of a meeting but then I realized it wasn't really uh, a car crash it was more that um, the people who were driving the car who were leading the meeting if you like um, had forgotten to get the passengers on board at the start and so they had yeah, they'd headed off to uh, you know, and they were they were in they were in Windsor, you know. Everyone else is still back in London, and they, 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 suddenly there was this big gap between uh, where the guys who were leading the meeting were and where their participants were. They just forgotten. They just you know they had their great analysis and their lovely two by twos and all that kind of stuff. Just forgotten that um, uh, all that's really useful, but actually this is just about people, and um, they yeah. needed to make sure everyone was was in was in was in the process and engaged with this to start with it's it's a really good point um everyone listening um phil's um happy to take questions and there's a little area on your go to webinar control panel where you can post up questions for him so he's making some fairly controversial points i think and they're really powerful but if you've got questions for him about about how to lead and about <clears throat> you know 
uh, things in your organization or about um, learning leadership and the different ways of approaching that, please post them up because we can we can ask him those just uh, in a few minutes as we come up as we come up to the hour. Um, so thank you very much for all of that. I just wanted to move on a little bit and uh, just taking the same point really, but uh, I think what you're going to do for us here is just deepen it. I just wanted to touch on, uh, we're just so privileged, Phil, we've got some amazing speakers for our conference coming up. Phil is one of the speakers doing a, doing a uh, really important slot for us and um, this is his title, he's come up with this title of mean, we've got a meaningful human leadership conference and I really love this, he's kind of completely thrown it back at us and said well what about the meaningless and the inhuman then which I just it made me giggle but also is a really serious a really serious point here um, so uh, without spoilers uh, too many spoilers um, Phil you were just going to tell us a little story that just really chimes with this point sure thanks Nick yeah so we're talking about how um, without much care how we can fall into sort of taken for granted assumptions about organizations and what we're doing in leadership management that in my opinion often completely lose sight of the individual of, of people in the way that you mentioned the uh, superb car crash analogy with uh, forgetting to get people on board and um, yeah just to sort of illustrate this point I, I uh, you've heard me say this before Nick we were, we were chatting over a cup of coffee about this but I went to a, a conference around uh, mental health in the workplace and <clears throat> mm. facing up to the to the challenge of uh, how to improve general uh, uh, mental health and well-being across organizations and I think it's it's apt to be talking about this in mental health awareness week um, this week and I, I went to this conference very good very professionally run uh, lots of senior people there um, you know largely from the sort of HR and uh, health safety well-being space and uh, very serious people very dedicated to what they were doing and I, I, I sat in this conference and uh, as, as the conference went on I was kind of increasingly disturbed and I couldn't couldn't put my finger on what was going on for me really and it was only later on the train home uh, I realized what it was so so what I'd seen was some the, 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 the screens at the back were full of statistics showing how things had or hadn't improved over the previous year um, you know showing you know insights for, for action how the statistics had, had started to move and uh, and, and show that uh, you know better education is starting to have a, a better impact in certain areas around mental health. There were lots of talk from people about how they'd approach mental health strategies in their organisation with you know a clear brand and a clear message and communication plan. There was lots of good uh, conversation as well about you know when mental health is really important. It's so important to get onto the board agenda, and we need you know KPIs to kind of measure and to to, to reinforce the importance of this to to directors on the board. And what struck me on the train home was not once in, the, in that day were, did I see any any people. Uh, of course, the delegates in the conference were there. But what I mean is there were no case studies of people's struggles with mental health or successes of mental health. There was not yeah. even, Nick, not even a picture of a person in the brochure that contained yeah. all of these statistics. And yeah. I know this is a sort of fairly trite example, but... You know, yeah. for, for an issue like mental health to be discussed at a, at a conference like that, to be completely dominated with numbers and brands and, and all of this business language about, you know, strategies and branding and communication plans and so on. I, it yeah. just really, um, it really, it was a bit of a gut punch, actually, to realize what had been disturbing me all day. I thought, well, where, where, where are the people? Where are the That's people? Subjects to completely yeah. overlook, you know, the inclusion of people. I think yeah. typifies what I'm trying to say here, which is that... Um, do we not have a general tendency to completely dehumanize what we're doing in organizations and forget that organizations are places where people come together to get yeah. stuff done together? 
Yeah, I know I completely agree, and it, I find it shocking uh, as well. And um, I, I, just to be fair, I think it's um, you know you need to you need to run the statistics because they give you oh, gotcha. yeah they give you the they give you the policy tools, don't they? So you can make a big difference to a lot of people by um, changing things when you see the data. So we need the science, we do need the the data. But I think Absolutely. we were chatting just before we got started. I think the thing that can so easily be forgotten when you're entranced by your statistics is that every dot in the in the calculation is a person it's not a dot and every person story is not a statistic it's it's unique and it's so easy when you're looking at the stats to completely forget that they ain't dots them's people and uh, I think that's the point isn't it and it's it is shocking and it's so easy to slip into that a really great point. I just think it's a wonderful point, and I'm really looking forward to hearing you sort of evolve that and really challenge everybody at conferences, leaders, just to remember that point when they're looking at their leadership going forward. It's really powerful stuff. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. So, um, I'm just going to wrap up in terms of the timing, and then we'll just stay online for a little bit and answer some questions, if that's okay, folks. If you want to hang around for questions, then we'll be a few more minutes, and I'm just going to pace you to the end of the presentation so you get the sort of pointers. Uh, thank you, everybody, uh, for joining today. And if you can't stay on for the questions, then I hope you have a great day. Uh, so, um, so just thinking about everything that Phil said, um, what I want you to do, just um, taking it all in. What's the one thing? What's the one thing that's really resonated for you from from listening to Phil James talk about uh, contemporary leadership and some of the challenges and some of those amazing disconnects that we talked about. So, you know, is your style hierarchical or do you have that problem at your organization and how can you evolve that? Where can you get help for that? Um, and is the conversation of leadership that you're going through really um, landing with uh, the, the people around you? So have you made sure that you've got connection between what's going on on all the analysis, <clears throat> whichever, you know, we obviously need, um, but actually the people factor, people on board with that, people connected with that, they feel that, they want that. So yeah, have you remembered the human factor? And then that last point about just not getting lost in, not getting lost in the science, not getting lost in the sort of dehumanized, but really important statistics and remembering that every journey is unique. And, uh, you know, we're not statistics, we're, we're people. Um, so some really powerful points there. So what's the one thing that's landed for you about your leadership? And come back to us about that and think about how you can take that forward. Um, so just a few upcoming things. So um, by way of beautiful quid pro quo, I've been offered a chance to talk about being resilient. And so that's on the 29th of May uh, on the ILM webinar series. I'm just absolutely privileged to take part in that. Uh, lots of people talk about resilience and um, my take on it is going to be very, very practical. So just what's the how of it? So let's get away a little bit from the theory. We'll talk a bit about how the brain works because that's important. You can, once you know it, you can do stuff with it. But we're going to get straight into what's the practice of resilience uh, and away from the theory a little bit. So um, sign up for that and you can listen to me talking about that on the 29th. Our next strategy cafe is going to be the day after conference. Um, and the team are going to do it. So that's quite cool. And uh, they're just going to be breaking down everything that happened on conference day. So you can listen to us chatter and joke about what happened on conference day and uh, pick out all of the insights from it and chew them over a little bit. So it should be a more casual, more fun, more in, uh, engaging kind of version of this. So it's coming up on the 13th of June. 
Um, and that takes us neatly into conference. Uh, so you've heard already that Phil is going to be a speaker. Oh my God, we've got some wonderful speakers. We've got Emma Stroud, who's just fantastic. She's a comedian, but she talks about, uh, teaches leaders how to present, how to communicate, how to find the passion in their, in their leadership, which is really powerful. And Mark Gallagher, you will have heard on uh, Strategy Cafe talking about, you know, the enormous challenges of Formula One high technology space, high performance space, and how finding the human factor and all that has been key. Uh, human factor resilience, just how they emphasize and enhance performance and make the technology come to life. Really fantastic presentations. Um, we have a promo on at the moment. So um, there is a um, buy a ticket, um, bring a buddy for free. Um, it's actually uh, not the 13th, it's um, up until tomorrow. Um, night so uh closes closes end uh, of the 17th so come on the website and you can buy your ticket there you only need to buy one ticket we'll just come back to you and say who's your buddy going to be so there's no great technology behind it just buy your ticket and you can bring a buddy along for free so it's a good deal so Fantastic. come buy your tickets now um seems to be a very popular offer don't know why so uh <laughs> so come in and buy um we'll have other promos but this is probably the best one so um and uh, and they, if you do, you can come and meet Phil uh, and uh, explore and challenge him more around some of the stuff he's been saying yeah. today and listen to, you know, him widen and deepen the uh, the points he's been making. So um, so come along on the 12th of June. We're going to be at um, Bounce, uh, which actually is a big ping pong bar. Uh, so very uh, contemporary, if you like, uh, really great venue. And it's just by Old Street Roundabout. So very easy for most of you to come to. So uh, we hope to see you all there. Thank you, uh, thank you for listening, and um, and thank you, Phil. So um, I'm just going to take a moment, if that's all right with you, just to say thanks, Phil. It's great. Uh, not at uh, all, Nick. Absolutely, my pleasure. And you can probably tell uh, once I get going, you have to kind of steam in there and stop me. So it's been very enjoyable for me as well. Thank you. Oh, no issue. I think you you were great. You're great. Um, so I've got one question coming, just about um, uh, you know leadership education, just exploring the differences. Um, it's kind of on the lines of should I take an MBA? So um, you know, uh, is, you know, in 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 contrast between what you're offering at ILM and what you can get from business schools, what's your what's your sort of view of the trajectory for people? Should they be coming down the ILM route? Route? Should they be thinking about taking a you know taking an MBA? What are the differences? Sure. <clears throat> so I I think either route is valid. So if you're looking for uh, a qualification in leadership and management, for sure, uh, you know. Um, Whilst I'm critical of, uh, of of a lot of the content of leadership and management learning, you know, there's yeah. a currency around uh, MBAs and qualifications that can't be ignored. And actually, there's some brilliant quality teaching out there as well. And and I wouldn't yeah. want to knock, you know, it's not a baby and bathwater situation at all. Um, what I would say though is um, try to wh whichever route you d you do take, try to adapt a sort of critical. It's very difficult, but a critical sort of stance on what it is that you're thinking and learning and 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 not do as I did, which is simply to accept all this wisdom and go, wow, that's how the world works. Then, and I'll go and put it into practice. But to remain curious, remain critical about what you're thinking. If you're if you're learning about, you know, uh, marketing plans or pestel analyses or whatever, whatever it is, just sort of think, well, what might an alternative way of, of, of thinking about this be like? Yeah. And what are the what are the assumptions that about what I'm learning and how might that you know, pose some problems. And the, the final thing that I would say, which is a massive plug for organizations like mine, but um, find a way of continuing with your learning and education. And, and once the formal program is over, once the certificate is hanging proudly on the wall in your office, 
keep going, keep learning. Yeah. I think yes. you know that happens. I think through conversation, through through mornings like this, Nick, through fantastic webinars like this, where we're just asking questions and, and, and engaging the grey matter a little bit differently. Through conferencing, through reading, and through engaging with professional development, it's the it's the stuff that you offer at Alembic. It's absolutely the stuff that we offer at the Institute of Leadership and Management. And there's loads of that available, but it but it, it does require you know someone just to sort of uh, not to sit back and think I've done it now, got the certificate, I'm yeah. now a grade seven instead of a grade six and a half, and uh, yeah, yeah. it requires that willingness to keep on learning and keep on engaging. But one of the things I really like about um, the ILM site is it gives an opportunity for people who can't you know they can't get sponsored for an MBA. Um, you know the cost model is very different. I mean you need to work really hard through the uh, Institute of Leadership Management program. It's a it's a substantial program, although it's you know it's in consumable bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I've really liked about it is that emphasis on um, practice and experience. And I think for me, one of the points of difference is that you you know that through that route, if you can't get sponsored for the big MBA program, uh, you can connect through uh, the Institute of Leadership Management as a uh, you know as a as an ambitious and um, self-developing executive and uh, you can still do something which covers the whole range of leadership skills. You can apply it much more experientially and you can still get um, valid portable qualifications at the end of the whole process, which I think, you know, with our partnership, we've helped, helped a couple of clients to do. So for me, it seems like it really reaches out into a much wider space and this idea of, um, you know, CPD for leadership is just really a good one. Yeah, well said, Nick. And uh, I think that idea about affordability is, is a really important one, isn't it? Because it's um, what, what we tend to find is, you know, once, you, once you've reached a position of some privilege, you can get further privilege heaped upon you. And once you're on the management track, as I was in, you know, in a, in a PLC, you, you, you know, the MBAs are put in front of you and those opportunities are given. Whereas for most people, I guess, for lots of people, um, they're not. But there is there is such a rich experience that's available through um, through what we have to offer, and one of one of the most touching things that I see is is people gaining their membership or fellowship of the institute, uh, and that being a sort of transformational moment, a moment of real achievement uh, that's that's otherwise been denied, and yeah. um, you know that's that's a that's a fantastic thing to be doing for for people and for and for the for the world of uh, leadership and management. I agree, and I think that um, that emphasis on the experience side of things that you guys bring, I think, is really powerful. Because I mean, we were chatting, um, uh, it's sort of going very off track here, which so we'll bring it to a close in a sec. But chatting about this new initiative that you guys have through uh, some of your colleagues um, in the kind of like a the Viva uh, idea, the interview at the yeah. end of a process. And again, for me, you know, um, that takes us away from the sort of the classic uh, challenge of um, you know facing a paper and writing writing responses to questions um, and more into my experience and how I would apply this, which, you know, for leadership, it's uh, it's quite powerful because it takes you into um, what, you know, what people's day to day life is and makes that valid as part of their education, which I think it is. And uh, so I really like that. I think it's a really, really good initiative. Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling, Nick, partly because I know right now my son is uh, enduring a GCSE exam where he's sitting and writing for a couple of hours, a poor thing. So, um, uh, you know, whereas, yeah, contrasted with what we do, um, look, there's a, there's a really simple reason why there's a conversation at the end of our sort of digital learning routes. You know, you have to talk to somebody. And that's because yeah. that's where leadership and management comes alive, isn't it? Through conversation yeah. with people. That is the yeah, yeah. tool of, of leadership and management. So 
I think it resonates and I think it, it makes the whole thing accessible as, as well for people. I mean, a uh, nice way to finish because it brings us back to where we um, started, which is it's really it's all about the human factor.